Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Conquest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got a pair of Norwegian friends who both have excellent new records out this year, Sandra Lerke and Aurora. Lerke started writing gorgeous pop songs while he was still a teen in the suburbs of Bergen, Norway. It wasn't too long before his music started finding its way out into the world, though, and he's released a bunch of albums since the early 2000s. Though clearly starting from a pop background, his songs are incredibly catchy, Lurka has nimbly moved through various permutations over the years, flirting with jazzy sounds, more intimate acoustic numbers, touches of Brasilia, and the occasional out-and-out new wavy rock song. Not long before the pandemic, Lurka recorded Patience, which he intended to tour behind, but he instead ended up moving back to Norway from Los Angeles and recording another excellent album called Avatars of Love. For this one, his 10th, Lurka recruited a bunch of friends to help out, including another Norwegian star from a younger generation, Aurora. Here's a bit of the sensual duet they performed together for the album. It's called Alone in the Night. The stars that come into view Do I know you by heart? When we are apart How As you can hear there, Aurora has a kind of otherworldly quality to her voice, though on her own records it's more often set against a more electronic backdrop. You may have heard her killer single, Cure For Me, which came out last year and also appears on her latest album, which came out earlier this year. It's called The Gods We Can Touch, and she's once again, like Lurka, supremely interested in lyrics, this time around going heavy on the love and relationships. Now, you'll hear the two of them talk a lot about the importance of love in this podcast, as well as their native Norway, earlobe hair, and more. One minute, they're deep into how music can help us overcome grief, and the next, they're talking about how religion and music are both like penises, and that they are both beautiful and lovely, but you shouldn't shove any of them in someone's face. Enjoy. Okay, so uh, okay, so this will be just like normal when we talk only. It will be in English. I just came from England, so it's it tastes very normal in my mouth. I feel sometimes I'm shocked at how American I sound. Obviously, because I lived in America, mm. but like even now when I live in Norway, most of the time, I, I sometimes when I speak American, I'm like. Shit, I sound like I'm from California. Yeah, you do sound very American, like compared yeah. to me, especially. I still have an accent, but I don't know how to get rid of the accent. Um, but I'm just rolling with it now. It's a part of me, and it will always be. I feel like I imitate my surroundings. So if I'm in California, I sound like a Californian boy. But then, like now, when I'm speaking to you, and you have a much more prominent and beautiful accent. I want to lean towards that. So mm-hmm. what does that say about me? 
maybe you're adaptable, maybe you like to make people feel comfortable and seen. I think like psychology wise, I think people become flattered when they see the other person adapting or like um, being like them. So maybe it's a, you're trying to flatter people. And also you're very, very musical. And people always say that, oh, but if you're musical, you can do accents really well because mm. you have a good ear or whatever. But I, I can't do it. So apparently my ear is very bad. Well, you're, it's not your ear that's bad, but it's probably just your... They're very big. That's true. Mm. That's, that is true. Your, that is your true. Uh, ear lobes. My lobe. They're made for um, unspeakable things. We cannot speak about on this podcast. <laughs> I will not say a word. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone. <laughs> no, no, no. But so you have some of the the most intense uh, earlobes in in all of Northern Europe. Yeah, I'd say. yeah, I do. And they mm -hmm. they have like small, like really soft hair on them. So it's very it's very comfy to kind of um, cuddle with them. But you have to pay. Of course, you have to charge. I sometimes like pull, like I can do it now. I pull at the little hair on my earlobe. Mm. just to sort of, I don't know, feel I'm alive. And then I'm like, I, I should cut that. But really, I shouldn't. I should no, just keep it. Because they're very delicate, light, airlow hair. It makes me feel like a man, mm. like a manly man. Yeah. Men who aren't particularly popular amongst the people of the earth, maybe they just don't have the airlobe hair to make they f so they feel emasculated. And then they act out on it by pushing on the people who are smaller than themselves. But maybe it's all down to the earlobe here. It's and of course, in... intellect. They were very stupid. Yeah, it's probably a combination, I guess, of earlobe <laughs> and intellect. But Aurora, do you remember the first time we met? Um, like a long, long, long time ago, in 2015. 14. 14. I remember very well. That's when you had a sentimentalist, um, mm -hmm. uh, which I've, I'm still very in love with that song. Mm -hmm. And I remember you asked me to do like a backup. I was your backup singer for like two shows. <laughs> and you were all so sweet and kind. And I, I, I just remember you as being, yeah, like I remember you now. Very sweet and a, a bit odd. <laughs> but nice. You found me odd even then? Yes, I did even then. Because I think that is the first time we met. We Did we meet to rehearse, maybe? I think we just met at the sound check. I'm very bad at accepting the fact that we have to rehearse things. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. I, I hate rehearsal. Yeah, it's yeah. really bad. So I think I just showed up. And I remember I really wanted to sing harmonies to, to things. Yes. Because I'm a harmony mm. machine. Yes, and I'm not. Yeah. And I was like, please. And you did it for, for sentimentalists. Because I, I think what I was asking was just an octave on the chorus. And then and I was like, no. you, And you felt it so strongly that you, that you felt the harmony so intensely. In my uterus, I felt it so <laughs> intensely. Yeah. I needed to do it. It was really, really, really nice. It was actually really uh, meaningful. And I think I learned something from it because I... You know, and now I can hear that harmony so clearly for the, the chorus of sentimentalist, but it's it's not something that would enter my mind because I don't I don't typically hear harmonies. I had some idea, but you found it and it was very strong. And it's it's like <laughs> connecting with the earth, I think, when you connect with a, a harmony like that. Yeah, but it feels very much like that. It feels 
impossible not to make it happen. Just like mm -hmm. it's like gravity <laughs> or love. You can't really do anything about it. No. Oh, and I still sing it every time I listen to your song. I sing it for myself and I do the choir. <laughs> yeah. When you do the, in the end, would it count? That line. Mm -hmm. That was such a nice movement on that line. <laughs> okay, so so that was the first time we met. And that's eight years ago. And then that was just when you were beginning to release music in the world. Yes, right? I, I was very fresh. I was 17 then. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. So fresh. So fresh. Fresh, mm -hmm. fresh, 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 fresh. Well, I, I have released one song, I think, like Awakening. It's a song not many people know about, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a lot of songs out. I was very new, but you just offered me a chance to learn something and do something that was scary, but felt fun anyways, which was very nice for me. You're very generous. It was such a joy for, for me and for the band. I remember I got to meet your parents, probably met your sisters. And mm. it was a great sort of homecoming for me to Bergen because I felt like I had been away for a long time. And I came home and, and there was new music and new people and, and new energy. And it felt really meaningful for me to take part in that or to, to be included in that. At that point, you had written... Runaway, like you wrote that when you were like minus 10 years old. Yes, I was minus 10 years old. It's particularly rarely, particularly impressive. But yeah. It's, it's very rare. <laughs> very rare. Uh, yes, I was very young. I was 11 years old. And it's very strange to think about it. But yeah, it, it was already there sitting under my skin. To me, that's so beautiful. Like songs, when you've written a song and you carry it with you, but you haven't shared it with the world yet. Mm. It literally is a secret that you, you have. And the potential of that, that secret or that song is unknown to everyone because it could be something really profound, you know? Yeah, I know. And so I like to think about that moment that at that time you had that song in your system. I didn't know you and the world didn't know you. And you had that song, you had other songs, you had all this music. And I wrote a song that I kept for like five years before I released it that is called Why Would I Let You Go? And I had that for such a long time. And, I, and that song felt very special to me. And I remember thinking about like, I know something that the world doesn't because you have this song that you feel is really special. Obviously you release it and some people love it and some people are moved by it, but the world also keeps turning. You don't change the world. Or I feel like it does. It's like the butterfly effect. Like every small thing becomes something very big for at least one person out there. So of course you change the world, you know? Yes. I truly feel like music is a magical thing. Yeah. I look upon it as like the closest thing I've been to God. Mm. I don't like God particularly much, but I like um, holy. I like the divine a lot. And I feel like music is just the most divine thing to ever exist. But I think every small thing can really change the world, especially when it comes to emotions like that. But I know what you mean with keeping the secret for yourself for a few years before you show it to the world. It's a very strange feeling. I also feel, I don't, I'm not religious, but music puts me in touch with something that I, maybe it's not religious, maybe it's spiritual, want everyone to experience. And that's how a lot of religious people are. They believe in God so much that they want, you have to know God, you know? And I feel that mm -hmm. way with music. You have to know music. If you don't <laughs> know music, 
you gotta check out music, you know? And I feel that's sometimes when I'm, if I get irritated about people trying to preach their own religion on, on, on other people and, and that often being the root to a lot of evil and bad things, mm-hmm. I also try to understand it with that in mind that it's, well, they're just, it's just like me with music. I just want everyone to have the most beautiful music. But it's like, I think about it as a penis. Like you want people, mm-hmm. um, like it's lovely and it's beautiful, yeah. but don't shove it in all people's throats without like asking. <laughs> it's the same with religion and music. So music, music is like a penis. Uh, God mm-hmm. is like a it's penis. It's like a penis. Can be really useful and really beautiful. Or God God is more like uh, a vagina because it, life mm. is, or, you know, it seems to me. Yeah, I hear you. But yes, but yes, I think, yeah, it's good with the, with the good intentions, as long as you we don't push it in people's faces, like a penis. Yeah, and that's where people get carried away with penises and they got carried away with religion. Yeah, actually both. And I guess with music as well, yeah. Mm. But I think music can be less... Uh, damaging than a penis. <laughs> I think so too. And religion. Very wise words, Sandra. It's the wisest thing I've ever heard heard you say today. <laughs> today? Penis hurts. <laughs> Music does not hurt. Exactly. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. 
please do check it out. I think it's very rare, something with so much control and so much diversity, like it, mm. the, the most familiar but unfamiliar global language that we all know and understand. And it kind of has no bad side. No. You know, in itself, uh, and, and, and it's beautiful. Aren't we lucky to be a part of it? I'm so happy that we know how to make it. Mm. I would feel so powerless or so, or, or I guess because I, my whole existence is leaning on the fact that I can create. Yeah. I feel like I would notice the void within me if I couldn't. I think it's impossible to imagine me without music for us knowing each other and knowing music. Yeah. And maybe it's like that for, for listeners as well, but it, it's, but it is a very scary thought to think, well, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. What would that void in our lives be without the... Alcohol. Yeah, probably, probably. And so thank you, music. Yes, really, thank you, music. And I also love like the way music can change the, the way people think, the way people suddenly, you know, fight and care for something. It's, it's incredibly powerful. Oh, mm. And I think like in Alone in the Night, for example. One of many songs we sing together. To sing together, me and you, uh, on mm. your upcoming, can I say it or is it secret? No, no, no. It's, it's from the album Avatars of Love, mm -hmm. which comes out yeah. April 1st. April 1st. And it's just, it's a beautiful song. And it's, it's so mysterious how something can be seducive and warm, but still cold mm. and lonesome and sad. Yeah. At all of these things at the same time. Speaking of like mm, secret songs or songs that you have for a while as, as a secret, that was a song I kept for a long time as well, because I, I wrote that in like 2016. Mm, and I thought I was going to record it for pay, for the Patients album. But I, I in a way, it was like I, I didn't need it. And mm. I didn't have time and I had more than enough songs. And I was already frustrated that I wouldn't be able to fit all the songs on the record in the first place. So, so I just left it. And I'm so glad I left it because suddenly when um, I moved back for the pandemic, I moved back to Norway and moved back to Bergen. And we hung out. Yeah. I started thinking of this song and I, 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 I forgot about it for, for three years. And I suddenly started thinking about the song because I met you and we would talk about all sorts of things, existential things. We sat here on my table. We sat right here. Yeah. Drinking tea in my apartment. That's where I'm sitting right. now. There's a lot of plants here and golden stuff. And yeah. it looks like a, a gypsy's home. It's beautiful. But it's, uh, this is where we sat. I remember it. And we drank tea from those brown cups. True. Peppermint tea, which you really enjoyed. Very much so. We drank a lot of that peppermint tea. I had to pee so much. I know. Mm. And I put on music so you wouldn't be shy to pee in my apartment. I loved that you did that because I really enjoy privacy <laughs> uh, in the bathroom. And privacy mainly in the bathroom. Of course, you want to be able to shut the door. But you also want to be able to have like... Mm, to not be completely seen or heard, basically. I remember you told me about this song. Mm -hmm. And I remember you, you recorded a version for me just on your phone with guitar, probably in your, in your room over the kebab place. And I, I remember just really, um, I love the song. And I could hear myself on it as well. I really could. Yeah, because I, I had like an epiphany. I was out running and I thought of the song and I thought... 
oh my god, yes, Aurora. I could just hear your voice singing parts that I had been singing and singing it together. It was really great. We sat and rehearsed the song the first time we played it together uh, was in your, in also in your kitchen. And I remember you had this idea or this reference that was so beautiful and that I had not thought of at all that really, I think, is a, a big part of the the sort of identity of the song and the notes that you chose. And the strings. Yeah, and the strings and everything. Mm. I felt um, really elevated because this song had been sort of a, a, a really heavy, lonely song. I, I was thinking a lot about how, you know, when you're young, um, you you have your body and you have your, your mind, you're as sort of present as you can be. There's nothing stopping you, you know, and you have your... your your body and your sexuality and and it's just everything is a roller coaster a fun usually hopefully a fun roller coaster in in love and romance and then of course as we get older our bodies uh will inevitably decline in how how they can serve us and even our memories and our minds may also be taken from us and what happens to love if only one person in the relationship can remember the other and the other has lost the ability to even recognize their partner. And I just thought of this contrast between sex as, as this like manifestation of, of love and desire that of course not only belongs to the young, but is very, it's vibrant and physical in a, in a way that is expresses, you know, youth and, and exuberance. And then in contrast to what happened, you know, that's our body in peak form and peak performance. And then what you can see are minds, which, you know, if we are lucky, we will stay clear and present until we die and fade away. But a lot of people aren't that lucky and, and they lose touch with their, their closest soulmate. And it's, to me, it was just such a devastating thought, but I really enjoyed the contrast between this physical manifestation of, of love and then this other manifestation, which is also very fragile. Our bodies are really fragile. Our minds are fragile. It can all be taken away at any moment. It's incredibly heavy. It's very absurd, isn't it? I feel extremely sorry for the people who loses themselves before they move on from this world. Mm. But also almost even worse for the people who once knew them. Who are left behind. And who are left behind. I think that's worse. And I don't think, I don't know who said it. Maybe it was Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that, pain is for the weak. No, I didn't. He said that a death isn't painful for the ones who leave. Um, it's painful for the ones who are left behind. Yeah. And it's very true. It's very obvious. Um, but it's, it, it, it's a very true, it's a very true thing. And it, it kind of helps in grief. I think when you can at least think that, you know, at least they are moving on and they don't, either they don't know that they're gone or they're somewhere better. Mm. It, you know, it, it depends on what you think, but at least, you know, the pain um, is something we can carry um, for them, mm. um, which is sad, but also kind of beautiful. Um, and one day, suddenly the pain turns into something that is possible to live with yeah it, it doesn't really become smaller i feel like it's us who become larger because we learn that 
Oh, it's the perspective. Like the pain and grief is equally as large as the day it happens and 20 years later. But you are larger in yourself and life has become larger. I read somewhere that humans would would not go through pain and grief and heartache nearly as good as we do now without um, music. It's really, really vital in our process in going through all of these impossible things. And we, we feel so incredibly alone and isolated. For some reason, the world is trying to make us believe that we are the only one going through the things we are going through. And we forget how universal all of our emotions are. And we could easily use the people around us and talk about it and understand that, oh, you know, I'm understood and I'm just going through what everyone else is going through. We are all like experiencing this life. Of course, some luckier than others. But but I think also that's the thing I like with music, that it can remind us that we, are, we can be understood. It helps you feel seen without necessarily being in the room with someone else, but the music yeah. sees you. It doesn't necessarily always have to be that the lyrics portray something that you recognize. It can just be, if somebody made this this kind of music, it must mean that I am not alone. I always just liked music that I felt no one else cared about or liked or, or, or even knew about. But whenever I found something um, that I liked, it made me feel le uh, less alone. It made me feel validated mm -hmm. as a human being because I thought, well, it does exist. I'm actually not alone. And it means suddenly so much to your identity and sense of self. So mm -hmm. music, obviously, to people like you and me is, you know, a matter of life and death, as I think when you're, especially when you're growing up. Isn't it magical that you can, you know, go through your own life and experience these amazing and terrible things for the first time in your existence. And yeah. by the way, existence is definitely the most hard part. Mm. No, life is the hardest part of the existence, most definitely. Mm. But it's just incredible that we can go through something for the first time and it's eye-opening and heartbreaking. But still, we find suddenly an image or a movie or a piece of art or a conversation or a piece of music that finds us and grounds us and reminds us that it already exists there. I don't know. I find it really magical. Did you quote a lyric from Eviheten there? Yes. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. But in English, they are a Norwegian group that they sing in and they sing in Norwegian. Eviheten, very, very nice. You directed a music video for them. Yes, for that song. For that. Oh my God, that's amazing. Mm. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Mm. What are you drinking, Sandra? I don't know actually anymore. And I blend it sometimes. I blend all the different pieces. Oh, like a cocktail. Like a cocktail, exactly. For the people who are only invited into this conversation with their ears and not their eyes, this wine is cloudy. It looks like liquid gold. It kind of glows. And it's, it's bright, like light yellow. Yeah. And it looks beautiful. And from where I'm sitting, I can see the reflection of your lamp shining through it. And it looks very heavenly. It kind of looks like elf wine, um, elvish wine. So that's really cool. Elf pee. Maybe it's elf pee. Yes, yes. Let's and see. thank you again to anyone out there listening yes. to me and Sandra's little uh, conversation of music, uh, pee, penises. Um, so yeah, we're going through all the all, all the vital stuff. All the pee. 
Now all the P's. We're going through all the important P's. So what do you think about uh, people? People, okay. Do you like them? Can't live with them. Can't live without them, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Are you a stand-up comedian? What's the deal with people? I love it and I hate it when stand-up begins with like, okay, so (laughs) what's the deal with tables? Why so round? It's very interesting. Now I was reminded of a song by the group Deer Hunter, they have a song called oh. What ha- What Happens to People? And it's such a great Ooh. title. What happens to people? People. The, oh, that's really nice. I really like that. It's a very good song. What happens to people? Ba, 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 boom. And then it just lists up like <laughs> all the weird uh, shit that happens to people. People gonna people. They see me people, they hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk also about your album because we talk yeah now i'm going to interview you because i have been sent out from the music magazine sandra's weekly where i talk to artists no i i just wanted to talk about it because it's a beautiful thing and we talked a lot about the the making of this record because you were making the record and i was making the record and we were hanging out and 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 so i i was so proud to see the record come out for you and it's called the gods we, we can can touch. touch and we talked about gods and we talked mm. about touching and mm. so i think we should talk about the elephant in the room which is this record <laughs> thank you thank you for comparing it to an elephant because elephant is very iconic also and symbolic when it comes to religions around the world so it really fits a uh, very suitable sondra the second intelligent thing you've said today wow no most I'm on a roll. Anyways, yes, the album came out Mm. in January this year. Mm. Mm. And yeah, it's my fourth kind of album or fourth collection of songs on a record. But it's my third official kind of. Oh, yeah, because you did two. You split one album up in two. Yes, because I was really hung up on the numbers 11 and 8 at that time. So I needed two albums, uh, one with eight tracks and one with 11. That's cool. Which were both part of like a whole story, but yes, this album is very, it's very playful. It's very, um, and in some ways, it's it strangely connects to your album as well. And um, obviously, we've become very good friends the last two years, but also, yeah, we have. I don't know. It's strange how we we are on the very same page currently, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. musically, with the playfulness and with the Ennio Morricone and some like old. I don't know, there is something there that fits very well, which is very interesting. Yeah. So it was a very good time for us also to do something together. Absolutely. But yes, it took me a long time to make, but also because I spent 50% of that time living in my life. Yes, which you should. And naked swimming and drinking wine and eating cheese and doing cartwheels and sitting in the grass, climbing trees. Yeah. All of these beautiful things, which you can hear in the album, I think. Yeah. It's important to live in between all the work. Not that making an album is work, but yeah, you know. No, but I feel that way too. I feel, and sometimes I wonder how I get anything done. Like this this album I made, Avatar of Love. I don't always know how I got it done. It's a, it's a big record. There's so much going on. Like I your know. record too. There's so many songs. They're so different. And they both took place while living a great deal while experiencing a lot we really lived we really lived we, we really, really lived. lived we lived so much 
<laughs> so it's <laughs> it's really wild that we are even able to be productive at all. And that we have to like an album each, and you have one more coming. It is very impressive. I'm very, I'm very impressed with us. It's amazing that these two albums get to come out and exist in sort of sort of um, in tandem. I was gonna say in the same world, but then I was like, Ugh, but the world isn't that impressive right now. It's not. Mm. It's not a very great world to exist in for for a lot of people and and for I those know. who are who are more fortunate. There's still a lot of fear and a lot of of uh, stuff that ruins ruins a lot of things, lives and homes and the appreciation of all things good. So. It's a strange time to be sharing music. It's very rare to find your place in Earth and you want to contribute and you want to help and you want to send out love. Um, yeah. But also it's it's hard to figure out when it's when it's love the world needs. Yeah. Because sometimes the world is so broken and desperate that even love seems like a superficial thing. I think for a lot of people, it must be extremely overwhelming. And it is very overwhelming to live in this world right now mm. because we're all dealing with our own personal shit and the struggles with loving yourself, figuring out who you are, accepting yourself, your sexuality or whatever. Like there's so much. And then as some of us fight for the right to love, for the right to exist against racism, misogyny, like there is so much on a personal level that is hard and then on top of that you have all the problems out there in the world and the global warming and the war and all the different wars not only the one between russia and ukraine i understand that people are overwhelmed and i think that causes us to become apathic because when it gets too much it's almost easier to just distance yourself a bit and You can't care about everything all the time anyways. Yeah. But then ap apathy is dangerous because that's the opposite of progress. I, I, just because I feel I should be saying something or am I saying something because I really think I can, I don't know, I can make a difference. It's really hard to know what's what's what, and especially in our over-communicating time with, of course, social media and all these things that I, I do enjoy, but also that makes us... Uh, so strange in sometimes how we relate to each other and how we relate to the world and what goes on. You know, we feel that we are a million places at the same time, but we don't necessarily know what the hell is really going on because we're all on the surface of so many experiences, you know. I think the pressure, especially on social media, to mean something about bloody everything, bloody all the time. Exactly. It distracts us for, from figuring out what we actually think about what's happening and from just reaching into our hearts and re reaching for the empathy, empathic part of ourselves and just feeling it because we, we, there is too much pressure to already have an opinion about it. And, and then you forget to think about how you actually feel about it. I don't think we need everyone to mean something about everything all the time. Nope. The nature of humankind in the world has always been to, you know, we go quite extreme with, with whatever we're doing right now. And then comes the next time period. And then we react to whatever we did right or wrong in the previous time period. And now the world, we mustn't forget that the world is better for a lot of people now than it was. It's not nearly good enough, obviously. And I'm still disappointed in how slow our progress is. But 
it is a better world for people, less crime, less violence, less yeah. hunger. Less and to and less wars like yeah. in the history of things. Compared to before. So there is progress and we have to remind ourselves maybe that that's the case. And also I guess sometimes we just need to hear someone say, It's gonna be okay. Because you need to believe it in order to, to get through the next day. And I feel like, you know, when you're going through something, it's not always that the thing you need to hear is um, the solution. You only need to hear that, you know, it's going to be okay. doesn't matter how or when, but just like a simple, that simple phrase. But I, I have hope. I have a lot of hope because I see it every day in small things. And I see it in our children. They will have parents, like the children that grow up now. Our, our children? Me and your children. Alone in the night. <laughs> Please uh, yeah. listen to it, people. We need yeah. the it, money. <laughs> 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 no, then it's like... Um, I. <laughs> But yes, our children, personally, me and yours children, Sandra, yeah. we will make excellent parents for them because mm-hmm. uh, they will grow up with parents now, you know, that has their eyes opened in a way that our parents never had, obviously, because it was a different world. It doesn't, um, it doesn't really excuse any of the bad things that happened. No, um, it explains things. But it explains some of it. Um So, yes, I have so much hope. I just Mm. don't know if we are necessarily the generation, but I have hope that one generation eventually, Mm. you know, and that is good enough for me, as long as we are not the generation who destroyed the soul of humankind and the world, uh, but kept it going, then it's good. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. That's progress. Mm. That's Mm. good. And it's not, we we can't do it all in in one day or in one sitting or in one record or in one song. Um, no, but every little thing we all do helps. That's the most important thing that I, we, there is hope people. There is hope. H O P E. Hope. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up in the book. <laughs> <laughs> but um, can I ask you something? Um, Okay, so on this, on your new record, you uh, have a guy who I play with, Alexander von Meran. He does some mm. stuff on the record, and he's yes. a guy we we love. And he also co-produced uh, "Alone in the Night" with me, uh, mm. that we sing together. But he and I really love a song of yours that didn't make it on your record, called "Potion." <gasps> Potion for love. For love. Mm. Where is that song? Where is it? It's so beautiful. Well, I might actually release it later this year. So keep yeah. your eyes and noses um, open. Um, but yes, I don't know what happened with it. I think it's the same as with yours. Because I had like five songs too many that I really wanted on the album. Yeah. Um, and I still don't know if I did the right choice. It's a sister song to a song I have called Exist for Love on the album. Which also is fantastic. Thank you. So it's kind of one song about the the purity and the beauty in just good, unselfish love and how it reminds us, you know, of why we are here when we mm-hmm. experience that kind of love. It can be to anything, to your 
it's like a, um, a passion to whatever you're doing, to the feeling of um, enjoying food or a pet or an animal or a family. Like it can be whatever kind of love, but mm. it really grounds us in a very special way. But then Potion for Love is for the people in heartbreak because I felt like I, I should include um, one song for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's people and people with heartbreak and heartache. Uh, they need songs, and I think between your record and my Avatars of Love record, I think uh, we're doing what we can for the heartbreak kids out there. We're doing our part, and now you do yours. Get, get up, <laughs> do it. <laughs> I'm trying to be an inspirational speaker. I don't yeah. think I'm doing a good job. Get up, yeah. get down mm. again. Lift your hands, cover your eyes. Oh, no, hold on your nose and try oh. to say Sneep Snoop. That always makes you laugh. Sneep Snoop. Sneep Snoop. Like yeah. yeah, it's it very works. good. It works. Um, other than that, <laughs> sorry, I have no nothing else to, get to say to you guys. Oh, yeah, no, I can't help you um, beyond Sneep Snoop. No. You're on your own. You're on your own. You're on your own. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Aurora and Sandra Lerke for letting us listen in on their fun. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.